Hello and welcome to Breaking Late, a motorsports podcast. I'm your host, Michael, and with me as always, JD. How's it going, mate? Good, mate. Good. After a uh, late night watching the Red Bull ring, but it, yeah, it was quite a good race and a lot, of, a lot of stuff to talk about. Yes, lots and lots to talk about. Just jump straight to it. Catch much of practice. Yeah, I didn't get to see practice one and two, but I did catch three. I watched some of the highlights from the first practices, and yeah, it looks like Verstappen's had another pushing the limits a little bit, maybe even tracks a bit green in the wet and stuff like that, and clip one of those uh, nice yellow curbs, and it's... What they call them? The baguettes. Baguettes, yeah. I thought they used to call them the sausage curbs, yeah, or I the don't. policeman curbs, <laughs> or well, they change the name all the time, but... Um, yeah, he clipped one of those and he tore the right hand front. Well, he didn't really tear the right hand front. He broke a, something with the steering and basically went straight ahead. Yes, and uh, Ros- Rosberg had a, um incident again with the curves. Yeah, yeah, another one. That was really interesting to look to start with. My first thing was, oh, he's gotten the gas too early. He stepped the back out and we're in the wall. Then he sl- watched the replay and that, geez, those, that arm just failed. Mm. Absolutely failed. By sounds of it, what they were explaining was it the lower arm failed first, which caused the top arm to fail, and that seemed to be something that followed through into qualifying with the other cars, uh, Kvyat as well. So it's uh, something that they'll definitely need to look at. By the sounds of it, they're not going to change the curbs, and there could be other tracks that will come online with these curbs. So they'll definitely have to do some designing changes in the cars for next year. Yeah, it was a big job for the Mercedes boys to get that car ready for qualifying. Plus. Adjust. Uh, they had to do that extra work on the Hamiltons to strengthen the um. Yeah, yeah, the they arms. did. They did. They did a didn't really look good very, job. Didn't look very pretty. No, no. What was it? Just carbon fibre tape. Yeah, something like that. It was like wrapped all around. You're like, they'll hold. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and another big one was the Toro Rosso. That was pretty impressive. Of Kvyat and qualifying. Uh, to get his car back into the race. Oh was yeah, really that was impressive. a that was a good effort. That was uh, a new a new shell. Yep. And they build it up from the bottom up. So uh, overnight, it's quick turnaround. So another good effort. Well, good qualifying. It was a really interesting qualifying. Yeah, well, it was. There you, was but that last, especially Q3. Wow. Yeah, let's go Q1 first. <laughs> <laughs> Q3 was fantastic. If you haven't seen it, I'm going to link it, the video to the end of it anyway. And it's really good. Q3, uh, Q1, sorry. So, well, the Red Bull of Kvyat. Come unstuck. Yeah, that was a, a big was crash. Right at yeah. the end of um Q1. I think by the time they cleared the track, there was only one minute 44 left on the um clock. Yeah, they all went out again, but yeah. you see they have, that was uh, a few busy... of them wasted a set of tyres, I think, as well. They didn't, um, the Haas, both the Hasses, I think, went out and they didn't make the... They didn't make the... Oh, yeah, yeah didn't, didn't make the line before the um, ticket come out to actually do a timed lap, which was a bit of a shame. But yeah, no, it was really interesting Q1 as well. Everyone was pushing as the track was drying and getting better and better and better. And um, yeah, yeah it's one of those great qualifying sessions. I think the whole qualifying in general was pretty good to watch. Yeah, it was. Q2, you had Pascal Verline. He was, he did really well. Yeah, well, even to just get into Q2. Yeah, well, he, he has experience at that track. He's done DTM there and he's done other... He drove the wheels off that car over the weekend, I think. Oh, he, he, he did pushed a the... great job. I don't know whether he's got some funding that's come to the team or something and they've got some new parts on the car or whatnot, but it was a really big improvement from them. It was really good to see he was showing his true potential because he is a champion. It, it will be interesting to see how that team progresses on from now 
Uh, and yeah, like you said, really solid effort in Q2. What, what do you come through in 11th or 12th or something like that in the end of uh, Q2? 11th, I think it was. Yeah, so we started was, at 11th. Yeah, I think yeah, I think it was 11th because he, he was like one place off the He wasn't Q3. too far off getting into Q3 with a manner. Like, yeah, that is crazy. You w- if you get into Q3 in a manner, you start at pole position, I think. Yeah, <laughs> token pole straight away. <laughs> no, it was definitely a great drive, Pascal. Well done. Another good driving Q2 to get into Q3 was Button. Wow, yeah. Alonso struggled again. Alonso was just out. He was yep. 14th or something. Um, I think they there was a problem. They put on Alonso's car that he had old tyres on it when they pulled the tyre blankets off and they didn't realise. Yeah, I heard in that. The, in, the, in the rushed about that happens in qualifying. And yeah, geez, that really cost him. So especially to see Button do such a great job. He unbelievable job to get into Q3 with those uh, McLaren Hondas at the moment are, are struggling so they are yeah to get up into Q3 that was a brilliant job by him great drive in tricky conditions mm-hmm. but Button is always good in tricky conditions he, oh, he's, he he's a master it. in it I saw it at the start of the race when it was wet and Button starting so high up I was like Whoa. must be prerequisite if you come from England gotta be good in the wet surely <laughs> a few miserable days over there <laughs> just a few and once we had Q3, uh, Q2 done, then we got into the exciting part of... Um, well, actually, you know, back. let's go back to Q2. Yes, Mike. We had the Ferraris and Red Bulls decide to ditch the ultra soft and go on to the super soft to try and set their fastest time to start the race on the better tyre. Mercedes got caught out by that. They couldn't get it done. They didn't go out. They decided that they're just going to have to risk it, I guess. There wasn't enough time for them to go get super softs on, do the outlap. And get out by the time everyone else managed to do this. Tricky ploy again. I don't know if Red Bull were just copying Ferrari or... Because I know Red Bull did that in Monaco as well. Yeah, they did that in Monaco, which sort of made a little bit more sense. But here was just... They didn't lead with that idea anyway. Because they went out, they banked their lap. They got respectable times and they were sitting in the pits. Then Ferrari went out on the super softs. And then all of a sudden, Red Bull's gone out on the super softs. So I think it was sort of a follow. I think they were covering off Ferrari, which they need to. It's... Mm -hmm. They're probably not on the same playing field as Ferrari, but um, they they've really got to try to. That's probably one of their main rivals. So Q three then you had that exciting bit at the start where it was wet. Everyone's yeah. going out. I think they went out on inters at the start. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Till it started to dry in the second half, and then you just had lap after lap after lap of quick times. Yeah, it was getting quicker and quicker, and then when they went onto the slicks at the very end there and. Cars are peeling off the road, and you're going, no, they're not going to be able to do it on slicks. And then just before the end, wow. I think you had everyone get through, set a good lap, oh, a, a lap, and then they're like, screw it, we're doing another lap. And they all went through and did another set flying lap. Yeah, they're all it, quicker from that. Who was your pick from Q3? Great drive. Um, Hulkenberg, actually. I was going to say it would be Button or Hulkenberg for me. They were cars that were out of position, and they just did the best with what they could and uh, managed to really drive the wheels off both of them and did yeah. a good job. Well, Hulkenberg, you know, to cut, I think he qualified third, but then with um, Rosberg's penalty, got to start from second. Yep. Unfortunately, he didn't get to convert that in the race. No, he struggled big time. Um, he ended up retiring, I think. Button was just stoked. Did, have you seen the post-qualifying interview with him in the paddock? Yeah, and, and he tell gets, him. he gets told that he's starting third by the report. He's like, third, really? Yeah. Oh, there we go. Anything's and possible. <laughs> and then they're like, possibly even second if yeah. uh, Hulkenberg gets found guilty of not lifting through the yellows. So 
So yeah, yeah that was, he was. He just looked really happy. He was. He looked even on uh, the pre-race stuff on the the Sunday. He looked really, really happy. It was good to see him really happy like that again. Yeah, well, the car actually held up surprisingly well. I think race pace wise, it was a lot better than I thought it would be. Yeah. yeah. So we'll round out the top ten in Q three. Uh, you had Hamilton got a pole position. Rosberg second, Hulkenberg third, Vettel fourth. Uh, both Rosberg and Vettel had penalties. Uh, then you had Button, Raikkonen, Ricardo, Bottas, Verstappen, and Massa, and that's your top ten. So JD, uh, the start with Pascal, did you see it? With Massa starting from the pit lane, he had a free grid place. So. Ah, oh, yes, I know exactly what you're talking about here, yes. Yes, so Pascal actually was starting, he had a grid place in front of him that was empty, and then he's done the warm-up lap, he's come through, parked right up behind, I think, Verstappen in the Red Bull, and he's actually, the lights, well, I don't think the lights had gone out, or they hadn't even started yet, but he's dropped it back and rolled back on the starting grid into yeah, position, all... yep. lights gone out and gone. Yeah, he, no penalty. They were waving the green flag and everything. I I thought it was quite weird. Yeah, I I'm surprised there wasn't a penalty for that. But he he I think he came out at the end of the race and said that oh, I managed to get back into position, so there's no penalty. Backwards on the grid is not a good start. No, no, it's not a good look at all. And especially after the green flag's been waved, it means they're going into the start procedure. Maybe Charlie would have seen it, and he probably held off in the start. Mm-hmm. Seen him moving, so. Because I don't think he sat in the position for long when he realised. No, he, I think he was pretty quick to move back, but luckily the car behind him didn't follow him up. Yeah, the other bloke was like, no, nope, this is my spot. But yeah, this was actually the first race that Pascal has lost the position on the opening lap, and I put that down to getting into the wrong box. One, he's up with a lot faster cars now. Yeah, um, definitely. But I also think his start wasn't the best, and I, I think he would have been put off by... Shit, I'm in the wrong box. Well, Having to rethink about that. Yeah, I don't think he would have had his start procedure down pat when he's... Well, two awesome. seconds before the lights went out, it was in reverse. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, where they all would have been already sitting there on their pre-start procedure, clicking all their buttons away. But apart from that, it was a very tidy start. I don't think there was too much. There wasn't too much that went on. No, they all... It was quite busy. Yeah, there, there was, was a lot, lot going passing, on. Um, but there was... No, but nice no and clean. Contact. Yeah, that's amazing, actually. You had Ricardo that just struggled to get off the line, JD. What was wrong with him? Um, yeah, he had some real issues there at the start. Uh, some sort of engine mode problem, and he was harvesting when he was on straights and stuff like that, which was uh, it hindered him for the first f- quite a few laps, and yeah. he was just getting past left, right, and center. Yeah, because I didn't really catch that watching the race live, and then I was just like, what's happened to Ricardo? I'm like, oh, God, it's another Weber start. Was it with Australians and just can't start? Yeah, no, Ricardo doesn't normally have that problem either. It's um, yeah. So listening to something after the race, and basically, yeah, he come out and said, "Oh, I don't, I, I'm not sure what happened, but we were down on power, and um, yeah, that when they're going down along that straight there, the cars would just breeze straight past him." He said, "I was defending from when I exited the corner because as I was soon as they pulled power. up next yep. to him, it was like." Boom, gone. Yeah, and see you later. They're just driving straight around him. So it's got to about, it was a lap 29 or something. 27 in the race. Just, I think lap 27 just started. And then you had that big incident with Sebastian on the straight. Yeah, that was another That was one. Scary. scary. Yeah. That was. Yeah, especially when he rolled back after he hit the wall and rolled back across the track. 
Oh, because it's like the track's not that big. It gets very congested. And to roll back on the main straight, is, yeah, you're lucky sort of... he didn't get... Like, he just had a big enough gap to pretty much, by the time he went past, I think the other cars had gone around him. Yeah, they, they had to dodge him sort of as he rolled back around and come to a stop. And that rubber went everywhere. That exploded really high. Yeah, it did. Because it I think was Ted amazing. was talking on the telecast about it and he said it was just this loud bang that you just wasn't expecting and then just like rubber shrapnel in the yeah, pit lane. Yeah, say it went as high as the bridge that goes over the track? Mm. Well, you can see it would have easily gone over that. In the t- um, if I can find a video of it, I'll link it in the show notes so you can see it if you didn't watch it. But this tyre just explodes and it's just pieces of tyre just launched was out of shot, like, and you can see the bridge in the t- on the shot because of the top of it. So I think it's like Fly Emirates or whatever. There's rubber going above that. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, he did well to sort of keep. He almost it held it, controlled it as it was actually. That when it started to blow, he sort of had it, and then he sort of overcorrected, and then it was all over. But this was something that I was thinking watching the race. I'm like, everyone pretty much had pitted at that time. Like there was a few guys that were still out there, but all your front runners had pretty much pitted, and I just think. Uh, Maybe, well, maybe we know the answer. But, uh, Ferrari just left it too long. Yeah, they, should have they, they come in the lap before? If they come in the lap before, I think they would have still been in a pretty decent spot. Like, yeah, right, because it's about twenty four seconds you lose on this this pit stop. Yeah, um, being such a small track and only taking what sixty five, sixty six seconds to get around this track to lose twenty, you'd, that's a lot of track position. But he wouldn't have been that far behind. No. Not but I guess all. Captain Hindsight's a great thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. They didn't expect the tyre to go. I guess Pirelli come out very quickly, I think, was a bit reckless of them, to be honest. Saying it was a puncture and then... Yeah, with no evidence of that. They hadn't even seen the car yet, which is a bit funny. But anyway, they've got to defend their brand, which is which is fine. I guess they're always going to do that. But um, the data on the, the Ferrari um, pit wall said that their pressures were all good. It had no uh, no slow punches or anything like that. The tire just failed. It's just unlucky. Whether there was a bit of debris that hit it or something when it was on the straight, but it just failed. A huge thing that happened during the race was the Mercedes undercut that Mercedes weren't expecting. Well, one half of the Mercedes garage was expecting it. The other half was quite surprised. Well, it was clear past um, Lewis to begin with. He was asked if he wanted to pit and he said he ref- Said no. said no. Um, so Rosberg got right away then, mm-hmm. and so he pitted, and then it was it was really odd. I they left Lewis out there for too long. I think his <laughs> tires degraded, and Lu- and um, Rosberg was just you know, he's powering was, through, yeah, powering through, doing great. Fortunately, laps. still he only had one set of softs, and, and that's, that's all he selected. And that, that's exactly true. That that really s- hindered them. Yeah, I saw the tire selection a couple of days before the race when. Formula One or uh, Pirelli put it out on Twitter or whatever. Yeah, Hamilton selected two softs, two set of softs, and Rosberg only one, and that was the only difference. I think they got an extra set of um, super softs. Yeah, it was just, I don't know. I was The track really degraded tyres. Um, they didn't get the life out of the tyres like they were expecting. Yeah, and that's something we probably should have uh, talked about as well, is what about the temperature difference over the weekend? It was hot Saturday. Friday was Cold. amazingly hot. Saturday was amazingly hot. And then Sunday, I think the top temperature was like 25 degrees or something like that. It was really cold. Everything that the guys had learned Raining over that weekend. Everyone was wearing gone. jackets. 
it was it was amazing I, I couldn't get over how much the temperature had changed overnight basically mm. i was watching a couple of the the gp2 and the gp3 races earlier in the day i thought it was going to be a wet race for the formula one yeah well i think i turned it on at um eight o'clock local time yeah, um, yeah which is about they, an yeah. hour and a half before the race started Yeah, when they first start the pre-race yeah. um yeah it was wet it was raining i was like ooh. that's when i was like gary button you old yeah. bastard! Oh, you can and do I was, this. I had my fingers uh, crossed for Button and also for Ricardo and the Red Bull boys. I, I thought, thought this wet weather's the easiest them. way to like even it up with the Mercedes. New neutralized power. You can't use it. <laughs> can't you? Or you can. It just spins your tires more, but you don't go faster. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Did you hear much of the commentary um, about the Rosberg and Hamilton incident when this is the first one, the the pit stop when Rosberg got in front? And then everyone's like, oh, well, they've, they've all got a pit again. They've got to do one more stop. They're not going to get to the end here. And then Sky, com- the Sky commentary team were just like, well, Mercedes have to let Hamilton pass. This is outrageous that they would allow Rosberg to jump Hamilton and then not let Hamilton get a free kick, essentially, to jump him in the pits. Yeah, I guess it's one of those things that they're looking at it through... Um... British eyes. Oh, yeah, and also, without all the facts, I guess, as always, it's, you know, we can sit here as well, do the exact same thing. Hamilton made his choices. I think he was trying to stretch his stint out, and he thought that was the fastest way to the end. And then Rosberg did the same, did the opposite, and sort of went early on the tyres and tried to make it through that way. Well, and Rosberg had to do something. He started from six. He was back in the field. He did a great job, actually. He I did. Think. He did. He did an amazing job, I reckon. Up until the last lap, I thought, this is a driver of a champion. He's yeah, managed to I pull agree. out starting from six. And, like, Hamilton would have been out in the front of the race, the whole race, pretty much. It was only, like, what, Vettel or something in front of him. And then he's come in and pitted, going, all right, cool. And then to come out and have your teammate, which started six grid positions back, be out in front of you. And he's like, oh, he's already done his stop. Yeah, yeah. You'd be agree. like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, I don't think he would have been that happy about it. And, oh, he wasn't. He Did wasn't. And then after the second said... pit stop, Ro- uh, Hamilton got put onto the softs and Rosberg yep. got put onto the super softs because Rosberg didn't have another set of softs. Yeah. Hamilton's on the radio going, why is he on a uh, softer, softer, compound. T- com- yeah, softer compound? Like, what the hell? And they're like, "It's this is the fastest way we believe. Lewis. This is the best way to the end, yeah. This is the prime strategy. And it was. It was, it was one lap better than the super softs. Well, did you see the super softs? I reckon three or four laps from the end looked pretty haggard. They were marbly and uh, yeah, grainy and yeah. I just did the notice color that they did would, not look good. They weren't looking good on like if any time they did a slow mo or anything up on the tires, they just looked crap. Where Lewis's tires on the soft looked great. Oh, they did definitely the softs like got a huge life out of them. Um, yeah, it was a much more consistent tire. At the start, I was like, "Oh, is this this one stop territory?" But it just they weren't going to last one stop. Michael, what do you think of Max's long stint? Yeah, that was really good. He um, pitted on lap fifteen. Yeah, it's amazing to think that those tires, That's after Vettel's failing after doing thirty laps, and then to go and do fifty six laps on a set of yeah, softs. I know it was different compound, but it was still unbelievable drive by him he did a really solid effort to just keep that car on the road at the end there i, I can imagine it would have been driving on ice <laughs> oh yeah yeah i mean it was lucky that there was that incident ahead on the last lap but still a mature drive like a young kid yeah l- very strong effort. still managed to like 
keep that car going with those old tyres, which I imagine will be absolute cactus at the end of that race. Yeah, he did a really, really strong effort. I'm really impressed by it. Uh, I I thought he was going to pit before the end. Yeah, I, I thought I thought. got 10 laps out, and I was like, ooh. You're like, ooh, this is How do you make 24 seconds? You know, is he going to be that much slower over the next 10 laps, even if they do degrade? Uh, uh, it's a hard one. And then he managed to stretch it out, and they didn't fall off the cliff, and um, he managed to get Make to him the work, end. And, yeah. Wow, podium. And, yeah, a podium for Max. That's That's pretty good. Like, he backed that up. Well, it was not back-to-back, but he, a few races after, he's managed to come out and get a second. Granted, this one was kind of luckily given to him. But either way, I still think he was pretty much on for a third. Yeah, yeah, it's a really strong effort. I didn't think he'd be able to hold the Ferrari off. No, Kimi. I thought Kimi would have him. Yeah, we, we were texting during the thing, and you made a big call. I think we were 15, 20 laps yeah. out, and you said, oh, Max could be on for something here. Yeah, and I went, nah, no too long, way. too long. Yeah, he's been way too long. He'll be pitting and he'll fall back in the field. You and then watch. I did send you a me- send you a message afterwards going, yeah, nah, nah, too long. It was pretty much straight after he got passed by the two Mercedes, though. Yeah, yeah, well, they, they did kind of make him look slow then, but... JD. Michael. Last lap. Yes. Um, Who turned the magnets on on the Mercedes? It must be when they line up on the right sides and they don't push each other apart and then... Bang, they stick themselves back together. You ever played with two magnets? You know what it's like. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um. Oh, I mean, Hamilton had a great run out of, uh, was it the final turn? Yeah. R- Rosberg tyres and brakes were shot. Hamilton, how much power could he put down compared to Rosberg? He made him so look like much he more. It just, still. He, I, I honestly thought, oh, last lap. Yep, no worries. Rosberg's got this. Yep. Yeah, all he's got to do is cover. He'll be just fine. cover. It's it's a, not the easiest track to get a pass, and there's lots of traffic. So I thought, ah, you get around one car, you can hold Hamilton back. But Hamilton got that blinder off the final turn, right up alongside Rosberg on the outside. Yep. And Rosberg's and I he would done. Defend it fine. Yeah. I didn't yeah, I, I honestly thought I was surprised on how late he um, or how deep into the corner he went. Like it was so out wide. You yeah, actually um yep. just showed me a photo on Facebook of a nice illustration illustration of how many Mercedes you could actually fit through there. I <laughs> think it was about, straight on this. about <laughs> five or six could fit from the inside to the outside of the corner. But anyway, um, I put that at Rosberg's fault. Yeah, it's interesting. It is a really interesting one. Uh, I put it. Yeah, the the blame is on Rosberg. I don't. It's one of those things. I don't see how Rosberg could blame anyone else. But I've looked at the interviews and stuff and watched his uh, his Facebook Live and everything that he put out afterwards. And he believes Hamilton should have given, shouldn't have turned in. So that's, he said, basically, it was Hamilton's problem for causing the inc- the, the crash. He's uh, running out of brakes and was running wide, but he said we weren't anywhere near the edge of the track. When we hit, Hamilton shouldn't have turned in yet. He should have pulled out of it and, you know, I can see where he's coming from. Like, he was quite wasn't out. Like, quite the e- it wasn't. The you corner. wouldn't expect them to turn in when Hamilton did turn in. Yeah, you would have expected earlier. I would think. Um, not not that late. Yeah, <laughs> it was. They're pretty much well off the corner by the time that this incident happened. Yeah, and I think once they made contact, it made it look a lot worse. Yeah, I think. Um, I honestly thought when they hit, both of them were out. Yeah, yeah. I just I, what I'm uh, like when they hit. They both went straight. Mm-hmm. So from the point where they hit, if you keep taking still images, it makes it look worse and worse and worse because 
it just made it look like Rosberg was trying to drive him straight off the track. But when they actually made contact, it was a little bit earlier. It's one of those things. I think Rosberg's at blame and he shouldn't have done it. Like, yeah, we got his, those he got his penalty. I think he got two points on his license. Yeah, yep. Uh, he got a reprimand, 10-second penalty, which really was a bit of a token penalty. I think they just wanted to make sure that they looked like they were doing something. Yeah, and didn't change the race result at all anyway. Oh, well, it changed it. For, the crash changed it, but the, the penalty didn't. The penalty didn't. But, yeah, this is one of the things that Rosberg's just like, he did make Hamilton go around the outside and the long way. He's like, I think Hamilton, uh, Rosberg was probably trying to go in as deep as he could to make Hamilton go out as wide as he could. Yeah, I agree. I think um, he was he was employing a little bit of the Hamilton run you out of race room. Yeah. You make the choice. I Unfortunately. guess he's entitled to do that, but when Hamilton turns in, this is this is his point. When Hamilton turns in too late, it's it's all over cuz you make contact and um it, you look like the bad guy regardless. It's going to be interesting to see, Michael. What do you think Mercedes will now bring in? A do not race rule? Yeah. I was reading some reports today where they were saying it's on the table now. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. This is, what, fourth or fifth time in two years that they've had run-ins. Mm. I think they've got to start looking at it because, like Total Wolf said, you know, that could have quite easily been a two DNF. It could have. It could have handed the win to Red Bull again. Yeah, well, it was... Like they were pretty lucky, and Rosberg was lucky that the wing sort of got stuck where it did not go right under the front, because then he would have just been complete cactus and just stuck. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, I think Mercedes have got to do something to control these two. Well, Rosberg was also lucky to not get any more of a reprimand for actually driving around with his wing dangling under the front of the car. Yeah. They did reprimand him for that as well. I, did, I assume they take it a little bit lighter on last lap. Mm. Like if it was you know, more throughout the race than probably. It's becoming a common occurrence now that these two run into each other. It's been, what, four races and they've had two incidents. Yeah. The championship's definitely closed up. Yeah. Well, Rosberg did a really good effort to, I guess some people frowned upon it, but to make it around to the start-finish line and get across in fourth still, mm-hmm. That that's the type of stuff at the end of the season when there's, you know, five points in it or something. That's the type of stuff that could win him the championship. So he did really well there. It's they they just race each other so hard. They do. It's good, good for teammates. the t- good for the TV, but yeah, bad for teammates. Bad. It's, we're looking at Vettel and Weber again, and you know Prost it's and Center and it reminds these, us of it. Yeah, it's just these teammates that are just going so hard toe to toe. God, I guess you've just got two of the best drivers currently in the field in the best car available both fighting for the championship rosberg thinks that this is his shot he really needs to grab this opportunity by the horns and really make it work for him because he's never been in a better position to win a championship no exactly he's and he's he really needs well that. he's in the lead of the championship he, he was quite good in 2014 he was quite close but he's uh, just needs to stay on top of it now and really go for it and stop having these mistakes and that and it'd be you know, he's in with a good chance of winning the championship. He's still ahead, so... Yeah. Uh, one thing, JD, I wanted to bring up with you. The point system in Formula 1. Do you think that fully works? Because no. you get states at the end where... This race was you've got bad. Yeah, this race was really bad for it. Where you had three or four drivers right at the end just come in and retire only a few laps out. Yeah, it was... Uh, 
a bit disgraceful, I think, as well. I know why they do it, and it's because of the way the rules are set up. They need, you know, they have to have an excuse and then they can replace their gearbox or whatnot to make it more reliable for the next race. But it is just a bit of a pain when you see, okay, we're not in the points. We're not going to score a single point. We're not even a chance here. It's lap 64, which a few of them dropped out on. Yep. Um, we're a few laps out. down. We're just box. Yeah, we're not going to get into the points. There's no chance. So let's box and put it on the... Put her in the pits and uh, put her up on her stools and we're done for the day. So is this, the, they need to go towards the V8 supercar pointing, the point system where it's a points to finish 75% of the race completion, you get points. Yeah, I think maybe a bit more strict than that. Like, I think you should have to finish the race, obviously. Yep. But points still last, most definitely. I think they need to do that for their uh, money system as well. Well, there is like talk lately saying that they're going to, well, they're looking at redoing the um, the payment plan. Oh, it's a joke, really, in Formula 1. You've got big teams that have big sponsors that still need, definitely need the money for the point system yep. versus teams that have no sponsors that could really use more money from the, the uh, FOM. I, I think it needs, I think to, be it needs fair. to be changed. We need more competitive teams in F1. We don't need just a few competitive teams. We I want to see, like Pascal Verlant, what a drive he did on the weekend. Uh, it was, I, I think, one of, or if not the driver of the round. Yeah, he did an amazing job qualifying. You know, He didn't just pull out one lap. He pulled out a couple of good laps. We pulled out a really good lap in Q2. Yeah. Like, or even Q3 to get out of Q2. And he was in no threat at all. Of falling back into the, the drop-off zone. Yeah, he was miles up on everyone. So, um, he did a solid effort. And then he, I think they were maybe banking on a bit of rain in uh, the end of the race when yep. they went on super soft. Again. He was quite vocal. or well, at least the TV coverage kept cutting to him going, I have rain on my window. Or rain on my visor. I see rain here. It was like three or four times. I was like, yeah, you get it, Pascal. It's wet. Cool. Yeah. The podium, Michael. What do you think? Oh. All right. We'll go on to this podium. It was horrible. I I can't put it in a nice way. I understand not everyone speaks English, but if you're going to hold the podium interviews and you're going to ask all your questions in English, please speak English. Yeah, it was a real, it's not a racist thing or anything like that. It, it was a real, just a letdown. It, she couldn't handle the interview. I don't know if she got nervous or something. Yeah, it was. It was just such an awkward I don't know podium. who she was either. I mean, no, I don't either. She's probably, I mean, I assume she's Austrian because sometimes they get people from those things. But I don't know. If you had a choice, JD, who would you get to host the podium interviews? I I think um, they do it sometimes quite well. They I do. Think they should be either so journalists that are into Formula One, mm-hmm. that follow Formula One, that know everything about Formula One. Uh, X drivers is another big one for me. X drivers bring that different element. They see things that other people don't see in the race, and then they can ask really crazy questions that no one's even been thinking about. They ask driver questions. Yeah, and that I love that. I love that. Uh, um, and it's a big thing that I think we should see more of. 
just the main prerequisite needs to be a speak clearly b they need to uh have followed the race so they know what actually happened in the race mm-hmm. and c don't bring up the crowd booing because that's a very awkward oh, question for someone to answer so why are they booing yeah, why are they booing lewis why is everyone going boo Gee, I don't know why. It could be an incident. I don't know. But, no, I don't care if they got a celebrity to do it. Like, no, I get, agree. You know, if but George Clooney does it, as long as he shows interest in it, yep. and I'm pretty sure they're going to have some type Writing. of you know, person behind the scenes, like, oh, here's some good questions to ask. This person's, like, you know, got most number of laps led ever or something. Um, you can bring up those extra ones. I just think... Just speak clearly. It was very hard, this this one. And I don't want people just to come and blast us going, oh, well, you don't care. They don't speak English and that. I don't care. The guy, there's a German guy that does it, the very flamboyant German guy. I don't mind him doing it. Yes, all right, he speaks a broken English, but his, his English is still very much listenable. Um, is that a word? Listenable? <laughs> it is now. I, I made it up. Um, <laughs> okay, from now on it is. He is quite into his Formula One, so he still asks the correct, like the nice, the good questions that you want to hear answered, and he does a really good job with it. I think either they should have a small panel that travels around, have because they do. They have the same like Martin Brundle does a lot of them. Um, yeah, the, some of the journalists that work with the F one do them, and I, I agree with you hundred percent. I th- my main thing is you need to know what's going on. I don't think she had any idea no, what she was actually happening. And, and I, then she didn't pick up on the fact that it was very awkward for him to ask him why are they booing. So she asked it again when she interviewed me. And you can't ask someone that. Like I don't know. Who I don't think you can teach someone that. That that's just something you need to know. It should be common sense. Yeah. If everyone hates that person, maybe don't point out everyone hating that person. Well, that makes I it also hard for po- that person. <laughs> I also point out, and I sent you a message to you because we were both discussing this after the race, going, wow, that was an awkward interview. And I'm like, you know it's a strange interview when Kimmy speaks the most. Well, she took the microphone. Verstappen was more than happy to talk. And he, she's like, oh, yeah, how was the rest of Oh, wait. <laughs> Can we do that again this time without you removing your microphone? <laughs> okay. How this was the is race an for audio you, thing. It's not a visual thing. <laughs> How was the race for you, Verstappen? I'm just going to pull the microphone away from you while you're still talking and walk away. <laughs> Gosh, it was just one of the worst interviews that I've seen. Um, I really hope that we're not the only people that think that that sucked and it needs to change. Yeah, it should, I hope that doesn't happen again this season. It's a real letdown. Well, we'll be going to Silverstone next, and um, that'll be a Brundle or something, surely, or they're a, definitely an English. Brundle, person. what? Who else? Um, who else? Is there know? any other English people around? Yeah. <laughs> I, I reckon there might be just one or two, especially just, in just, commentary alone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but get, yeah, there'll, there'll be a next Ted. Formula One. Let driver. Ted do it. I want to see Ted. Ted some I want to see best Ted Kravitz. Do yeah, he got start the, a presi- uh, peti- petition. petition? Someone go on to change.org and get a petition for Ted to do the Silverstone. Oh, it's a bit late for Silverstone, but to do this podium interview. I, I honestly I enjoy his, his notebook and also his little bits, his tidbits that he puts in for all the all the broadcasts and that. Uh, oh, I, I respect yeah. a lot for like listen to everything he says. 
he tells it pretty much how it is and he explains it to, in layman's terms a lot of the time too. Like he's really good at explaining to non-racing people what's happening. Yeah, and I also think he he's the one down there in the we were talking about this before with the interview with Toto, uh, Wolf. Toto Wolf. I think Toto needs to hint like I understand it's he's just had a major major um incident in the Mercedes team and he needs to handle that and he's under a lot of stress and there's a lot of stuff going on but first and foremost that team is a publicity stunt well not publicity stunt it is a publicity thing for Mercedes and his job is to advertise Mercedes yeah he needs to handle himself properly not lose his temper I don't think he lost. He didn't lose his temper as such, but he was definitely... He walked away. (laughs) Yeah, he did, but... Mid-interview. I mean, I'm not trying to, like, belittle what you're saying, but he's just got to go through a lot. He's trying to work out a lot what's going on there. If something's just happened, I know these guys are getting paid quite handsomely, and their job is to deal with the media, but you've had something like that just happen, and then, one, you've got to... I don't know if he goes down to the podium um, celebrations for uh, Hamilton at all or if he tries to start looking over the data. But he's got a major incident to try and work out all within a few minutes of this happening. He's got people coming up, asking him questions. He's like, I don't have all the... Maybe he should just go, I don't have all the data available. I I agree with you 100%. I'm not saying that he should give them all the facts or anything like that. I think he just needs to bring it down from... A 15 out of 10 to a 9 out of 10 and say, look, we're not happy with the outcome. We're going to go back and review it. Uh, I have no further information for you. We've seen as much as you've seen, and we're going to go back and have a look and see what really happened. Yeah, instead of going not, to Ted, you don't know what you're talking about and walk yeah, off. Yeah, you don't know the facts and walk off. Like, that's not constructive. Ted is asking questions. Ted knows exactly what happened. Yeah, Ted's he, not asking questions for Ted. Ted's Ted, asking questions for us at home watching the race. Exactly. And it was just, it was, uh, it was poorly handled, I think. And understandably, he, he was in a very intense moment of the year, probably one of the second most intense moment of the year for them. And it's a real shame. I think this is the strange part. I think Lauda handles himself better than uh, Yeah, well, Lauda, Lauda straight back called it. He's like, that was Rosberg's fault. Yeah, Lauda tells it how it is. But he's also willing, if he says it's wrong, he's willing to take that back later. But I think it's more constructive from a viewing perspective the way that Lauda does it. So we've got Silverstone coming up next weekend. We won't look too far ahead um, just because lately our predictions have been well off. (laughs) Shit just keeps happening. All right, Mercedes 1-2 and there will be... Mercedes 1, Ferrari 2. I'm thinking Mercedes 1-2 and there will be a whoever qualifies. It, or, so whoever gets the turn one first will win the race. V8 supercars. It yeah. seems like a long time since we've seen the V8 supercars. And they're at the Townsville 400. Yeah, we've got the Townsville 400 coming up there this weekend. So before you read our list, we spoke earlier about HRT being good at Townsville. We have, yeah. We have covered this off before, yeah. What do you think? Do you think they will be all right, or do you think they're going to struggle? Because at the moment, throughout the year, except for Eclipsal, they've struggled. Mm. Um, now, very, very interesting. History I think they'll says be back. they'll be strong. I think they'll be back. 
Their cars haven't changed much. They're still pretty useless everywhere else, so hopefully they're strong here. They've got different engineers this year. I don't know whether that'll help them or not. Maybe it'll hinder them. I'm not sure. Someone who will be racing at the Townsville 400, they won't be in the main game, and there's someone that we actually did get to watch up here the other weekend, and um, we're actually kicking ourselves that we didn't discuss him. It was about a day or so after the episode went live, and JD comes to me, he's like, oh, shit, we didn't talk about Bryce. Yeah, uh, a mate of ours from up here that uh, raced go-karts with us. He's moved on into the development series of V8 Supercars, and uh, he's doing so quite a good job for only his second season. So if you don't know, it's Bryce Fullwood. He's yep. um, a local boy up here. He's 16 or 17 now? 18. 18? <laughs> they grow up so fast. <laughs> um, so he's 18. He's racing in the development. He was actually racing in the... Was he in the Commodore Cup? Yeah, he was in Commodore Cup up here, yeah. Yeah, he's in a car that was about two to three seconds a lap slower than the IP guys. Yeah, and then... The yet he finished third. Yeah, yeah, he drove the wheels off it. He was catching... And he, what you were saying, that he was, you spoke to him down at Hidden Valley, and you're like, oh, mate, yeah, you're going all right. And what did he say to you? Uh, yeah, he was pretty amazed that he was doing as well as he did because in qualifying... He had a lack of rear brakes, essentially. Was that they also throughout the race well. as well? And in race one, he also had a lack of rear brakes. They hadn't resolved the issue. And so he still managed to come home fourth overall. Well, I'm glad it was him trying to pull up the Commodore at turn one with only front brakes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he did an amazing job. And then as soon as they got rear brakes on the car, he was up into third in uh, in the second race. Yeah, so. he's doing really well. And he is someone that um definitely look out for. Yeah, looking at towards the future, that is, he's a future V8 supercar driver. So, uh, yeah, get behind him. And uh, yeah, is he, he with F? Is he signed with FPR as a development driver? <sighs> he is with Matt White Racing. Yeah, uh, which use a lot of FPR gear. I, I think he does have PRA on his race suits and stuff now. So I'm sure Bryce has an affiliation somewhere there. But it, 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 I'm not sure to be honest, a hundred percent whether he's signed with anyone as a development driver or not. If you're down at the track on the weekend watching it, if you even go down the pits and you see Bryce, say hello. He's a nice bloke. Yeah, go have a chat with him. He's one of the nicest kids you'll get out there, and he's happy to talk to anyone. So go out, go down there and meet him and uh, get behind him. Anyway, that's our little um, territory-proud moment. <laughs> well, another driver we've got uh, from Darwin. Actually, he's racing in Spain this weekend in the uh, British Formula 3. Yes. Um, Spain? Spa. Spa. See, we're getting this mixed up. Uh, you, you've put me on the wrong foot here. See, you said Spa now. I said Spain. You're the wrong uh, way around. No, it's, um, it's Tom. Yeah. I, I can't Tom remember Maxwell? His, Tom Maxwell, that's all right. We actually met him in um, at Hidden Valley. He was a guest of HRT, I believe. Yeah, Walking yeah, Walkinshaw. Yeah. He drives Real, for Walkinshaw in the, in the Formula 3. That was the first time I met Europe. him. Real down-to-earth kid. Yeah, no, he's a I great... I get to say kid, because once again, he's like 17, 18. 18 as well. Oh, you're just walking around these kids. It's like, <laughs> I remember ages ago, the Formula Fords came, or Formula 3 or something, come to Darwin. And I was walking around the pits, looking at him, going, I can't see any of these drivers. Like, where are all the drivers? It's like, it's like all these kids around. <laughs> and then I worked out the kids are driving these cars and then I was very depressed and went back to the shenanigans hill. I'm like, well, I'll do something these kids can't do and drink a shit ton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's definitely, to push forward a motorsport, you always got to keep... Got to be young. Yeah, and moving forward while you're young. It's just one of those things that uh, 
doesn't wait for nobody. So you got to get into it and progress up the field. I mean, good on Tom to be racing at Spa, and he's been doing all right in that series. Yeah, he's uh, he's been pushing through really strongly, actually. He's doing a great job for only his first season in a Formula 3 car, and also in um, a team that's not a front-running team. He's still doing some solid top 10 efforts and stuff like that. So, yeah, shout-out to him, mate. Keep pushing. He's uh, Another one to look out for. Yeah, another one to look forward to the future. A lot has happened since we've recorded our last episode in the V8 supercar world. Um, the worst kept secret in the world. Yes, Michael, tell me. Scotty McLaughlin is shocking all going to DJR Team Penske on a multi-year deal. Yeah, I think that was a, that was coming. a long time. Yeah. We can, you know, we've, we've talked about this before, going, oh, I want him to stay at GRM just because I want him to stay at GRM. Doesn't mean he's staying at GRM. And Gary's come out and said, no, he understands why Scotty's done this. Um, it's really good for his future. Loyalty only gets you so far. Money does pay the bills. It does. And also, let's look at their track record. The Penske team has come in very quickly being competitive. Mm-hmm. I don't see... Um, I see them as a front-running team. I actually saw them... Probably at the start of this year when they were quite quick, I thought by this time they would already be a front, a consistent front-running team. Yeah, it's very hard in V8 supercars, but it's a very um, close, close field. So it will be interesting to see how they continue forward. But I, you know, good for him. He's going to a solid team. It's a real shame for Gary, and we all wanted. I think everyone pretty much wanted him to stay with GRM because I think they are, you know, such a good fit together. But. They do. They seem to get on really well, and I mean, Gary did give him the first drive, and you can't, you can't stay at your, you know, you can't stay in one team. You have to evolve through the uh, the Volvo exiting was a big part of this. Yeah, I think so too. It's to a lose your factory backing has got to be something that's in your back of your mind. Now it will be interesting to see. It's something I've thought about. What Scotty in a different car? He's driven a Commodore. I mean, I'm not. I'm saying a, a GRM GRM designed car. Not, sorry, not a GRM designed yeah, yeah. car. He went over to Sweden and drove the wheels off the car over there. Do you think maybe he's dragged the GRM Volvo higher up the grid than maybe it should have been in some cases? And do you think now he's going to D- DGR Penske that maybe he'll uh, be even more competitive? Yeah. Well, I definitely think. Scotty McLaughlin is a driver that can pull a car that's not a front-running car up to the front. He's definitely that type of driver. He's a driver that can get more out of the car than your average driver. Yeah, I I think he's sort of, uh, how they used to put it for lounge, like he can drive around a problem. Yeah, and this is something, the reason why, when Scotty's driving the 33 car and it's up the top of the grid, the 34 cars at the back, yeah, I think that's also development, but yeah, I agree. It's. Um, I just think Scotty's that type of driver that can get that bit of extra out of the car, and I think when him going into the GGR team Penske Falcon, he's going to be good. I think he'll be competitive. I don't know. I don't think he's going to be the driver that takes too long to adapt to the changes. Give him a couple of races, or at least a couple of testings and what have you. I Basically, I'm saying I'm not expecting to see him at Clips or next year come out of the block and just clean it up and win. No, I agree. I think it's 
He likes. But if he wins a couple of races next year, I won't be surprised. Yeah, uh, I'll honestly, be expecting. I can't him to really win. predict much off it. I I'm, I just want to wait and see. Um, he's a very very good driver, and I think he's got plenty more years in him. So, uh, yeah, watch this space. It'll be interesting to see. Another driver that unfortunately is a byproduct. Yeah, exactly. Of this it's is um Scotty Pye. Someone that's been at the team since the beginning, jumped in when Ambrose couldn't do it. Well, he was originally signed to the team and then Ambrose come along, so he was stood down. Yep. And then he jumped back in for Ambrose. It's it's an absolute shame. Yeah, I really hope Scotty gets picked up by someone. He has to. He's too good of a driver to not be in the field. Where does he I go? I don't Who's, know if he has where's another spot? backing. Where's another spot for him? I honestly don't know. I don't see any spots other than GRM now. And GRM's already come out and... They want to put a new... We're uh, saying... Um, They've got too many development drivers. can't remember. One of their development drivers, they're like, we're keeping him not just because he's a good bloke. And I understand it. Gary is someone that's always pretty much bringing up young drivers. They've already got Moffat in the yep. car. So Moffat now, you would assume, would become... The senior driver. Number one or senior driver. He's the driver that would be their go-to guy. I don't know where Pi can get into a car that will be as competitive of what he was in. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't see a spot for him. In quick news, just before we go, last episode we announced that Kyle Reiner will be jumping in for the injured Lee Holsworth. Um, it's turned out that the sh- car, the chassis is being declared too great to be fixed in time. Yeah, too much damage, not surprisingly. So they've cut a deal to field... Um, Young 17-year-old Kurt Kostecki, yeah, Kurt Kostecki, um, to drive his car. Uh, they actually, I think they're going to use the Dunlop car because the new model Dunlop is basically a car of the future anyway. Yeah. Um, going to use that car for the Queensland, uh, the Townsville 400. So he's going to become the youngest V8 supercar driver at the age of 17. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. Amazing effort from them. Yeah, I think it'd be really good. Um. Good luck to him. Hopefully, he's he just d- he doesn't have to prove anything. No. Obviously, he's just out there to get some laps under his belt and feel out the uh, the big league. But yeah, it's a really yeah. big opportunity for him. It's, um, yeah, there's not much else I really wanted to say. I just wanted to say, well done, and I think it's fantastic. Um, there is one thing that I actually wanted to talk about before we go. Uh, now we're on the Lee Lee Holdsworth topic, actually. Erebus, Betty, not happy at all. No, you showed me what she's been posting up on Facebook. Yeah, um, I I tend to agree with her, and we've we you you even made the comment to her actually, at at the V eight round. Yeah, I did, and um, she seems to, just, yeah, I can understand why she's pissed. Do you want to tell the people what we're talking about here? We're talking about the safety cells, and I think as of today, actually today or yesterday, the news broke that. DJR Team Penske are starting to work on this NASCAR sh- uh, cell. Yeah, cell, safety cell for safety the driver. Cell. Um, yeah, it was yesterday. The Telegraph in Sydney, I think it was. Uh, ran a big piece on yeah, it. Yeah, ran a two-page piece that basically was hailing that Penske's here to save the drivers and they're going to make this new cell that's going to make the drivers so much safer and Lee wouldn't have been hurt as badly and... Neither would have Chaz last year. Which is a load of shit. I mean, all right, their safety cell could 
do it. But DJR, Team Penske aren't the ones that... They're not the only people to come up with something like this. No, Betty's been running Betty's been running it since, since day one. In. She took the... She's actually got the rights to this as well. If you look up... Mercedes E-Cell is something that um, is copyrighted by Mercedes. Yep. They do not let any other manufacturers use their cell. But Betty has actually brought the rights for the right-hand drive, uh, so the Australian version, yep. and modified it all and engineered it all so it fits into a V8 supercar. Uh, it's not a straight fit. They The HRT car, they didn't actually run the, the E-Cell in the first couple of rounds. Yeah. They had to modify the car that they run at this present time to fit it. But it's all fitted in now and it all fits perfect and there's no problems with it at all. And she's offered two V8 supercars and all the other teams. To sell it at cost. Yeah. So she's happy to sell at cost for the manufacturer of the E-Cell. They're not a cheap thing. But... Safety never you, is. Yeah, you can't put a price on safety and uh, it's just something... She's she's livid with this because they've come out with this huge story, big publicity thing uh, for GGR that's going to be the saviour. And she's been tr- pushing the e-cell since she got in. She's been asking because she, uh, she owns the legal rights to it, yep. the right-hand drive version. So she is allowed to do this. And uh, no, they're going to want to they go and design their own new one again. No, I just think that's Some stupid. Reason. If they've already got something that works, like Lee and, and Tim Slade have both been in these huge accidents that the e- Mercedes E-Cell has helped them and yeah, exactly. made them walk they out of these. both walked out of them. Yeah. And look, I'll try and find this. If I can get, I don't know if she's going to keep the post up for so long, but she did write up a big post on her um, Facebook. Might get JD to um, grab some screenshots of it or something. And I'll put it in the show notes. But she's not having, she, I can see where she's coming from. And yet it seems to be like everyone at the moment is like, oh, we have to impress Roger. We've got to keep Roger. If Roger's got this new thing, let's use Roger's thing. Why can't we use Betty's thing? Yeah, it's already there. It's ready to go. It's there. It's ready to roll out. I don't want to get too much into this right now because it does fire me up a little bit because I'm always thinking it's here. It, it's going to fix these issues. Well, we anyway, talked about I've had this rant time. last time. Yeah, we talked about it for a long time. And it's true. It's true. And it, I think that's why Betty's um, so angry about it, which is understandable. Looking forward to some good racing in uh, Townsville this weekend in the d- uh, development series and also in um, V8 Supercar main game. And they're looking forward to Silverstone. Yeah, um, I am. I, I, I can't even give you tips. Like I think the Mercedes guys are going to be quick. Silverstone's a fast track. I don't know who else. It's a flowing track, it so is. Red Bull normally does not too bad because they've got that good downforce. Yeah, I think um, they can get up there. They, they should be all right. Ferrari will be strong, I think. Ferrari's definitely looking the strongest they've been in a few years. Um, and uh, well, so I think it's just going to be between... The, like, there's going to be those guys. There's going to be the usuals up the top. Yeah. As for the V8 supercars, I don't know. Well, I, I would like HRT to win. Ooh, yeah. It I is don't know if they can do it, but this is their track, all right? I don't care what they say. This Townsville is HRT country. They have always done well here. It's a stronghold for them. They've done well in the last few years, and uh, I don't see why they won't do well this year. There's been a few developments. I think the, the Red Bulls are looking slightly stronger at some of the tracks that they were weak at before. Mm-hmm. And the whole field's caught up, so there's a lot more... You don't have that Jokers team with a big advantage like you used to. Well, it used to be sort of in the last couple of years. It's been the PRA and the Triple Red Bull game. Yep. 
Oh, triple eight, yeah. So it will be interesting to see, uh, you know, how many more winners can we have this year? There's definitely some more to come. There's been a Nissan now as well. Yep. Um, so, yeah, fingers crossed we see some more winners and, you know, get some of these boys May- back up the pack up and win. Maybe with um, Erebus running the HRT, they might be quite strong. I mean, mm, maybe, will be very maybe Reynolds can get another top 10. It will be very interesting. They've seemed to have engineered their car better, better than um, HRT in the last few rounds. So it will be interesting to see where that goes. Mm-hmm whether that means they're going to win the race or they're just going to qualify better and uh, race up the front of the field, we, we we never know. It's another street circuit, so it, it throws all those curveballs at you. And quick other motorsport news, your mate. Oh, Buemi. Yeah. Yeah, what a legend up there He's in now the Formula a e champion. Formula E world champion. Now, I've actually... I don't watch much formally i'll watch the races that i find on youtube or any other streaming service i can't say i go out of my way to watch them live but i did did read up a lot and watch a lot of the release when formally first got announced now i think this is something that's quite interesting and has a lot of potential like their tracks have you seen many of their tracks that are built inside yeah. cities on streets with, yeah there's some pretty i like to do hairpins on themselves it's just like this, uh, and rough as all hell too like yeah they bounce their poor cars <laughs> bouncing all over the place. So if you're not aware, Formula E is full electric cars. Like yeah. this is the most craziest start you'll watch because you will see them on there. The lights will be getting red, and they'll be like, and then they go off and like, <laughs> and that's what they sound like. And then you want to see a pit stop. They come into the pits, and the driver jumps out of the car and jumps in another. It's like MotoGP. <laughs> they changed vehicle. And then take off again. A pit stop's about thirty seconds. Yeah, it's it's an unbelievable. But it's not even a pit stop. Drump, uh, like go into the box and go. It's no, it's pull into the garage, which is generally a tent. Get out of a car, run a couple of meters, get in the car, reverse out, and go. But they're planning. I think, I think they want it by their fourth year to have one car that can do the full distance. Yeah, yeah. There is obviously they're waiting on development of batteries to hold enough charge and stuff like that. And I think they're moving towards that quite well, but. But it seems to be taken off quite well. Like it's through well, a lot some, of countries. It's some it's very interesting racing, and there's some big names in it. Mm. Quite a few ex Formula One drivers, and also um, you got like some Bruno Senna racing as well. Yeah, um, and you've Prost. also got uh, yeah Prost son and that. Yeah. You've got ex Formula One drivers' sons and stuff in it. It's it's quite a good watch. Um, so yeah, if, if, I'll if you're find not a, into it, I'll find a race and, and I'll link it, it in the show notes. Check it out. All right, so we're just going to go over our competitions we've still got going. Well, one of them we still got going. Yeah, one's come co- concluded now. Yes, the poster, name the drivers on the poster has kind of gone off. Uh, gone off to a point that we're willing to go, congratulations, Jake, you've got enough drivers to win yourself a hat. Yeah, solid effort, mate. Solid, you missed five. Yep. Five, mate, come on. There was one on there that wasn't on the on the list, I think, as well. So we'll go through the five drivers. Oh, let's go through. JD, read out the ones that Jake got. Okay. Like we said, they're not all drivers, so he was pretty quick to pick off Betty. Betty Kaminko. Uh Next off was uh, Nick Perkat, Lee Holdsworth, Todd Kelly, Michael Caruso, Chris Pither, Tim Slade, Will Davison, Rick Kelly, David Reynolds, Chaz Mostert, Garth Tander, James Moffat, Jason Bright, Cameron Waters, 
Mark Winterbottom and Dale Wood. Actually, they're all on the list. They are all on the so list. So no wrong answers, only missing a few. You missed five correct answers, and they were James Courtney, Aaron Russell, Tim Blanchard, Andre Heingarver, and the wild joker in the pack, Jason Barguana. Yeah, that was the trick question. That was the trick one. Ex-driver, now driver's standard advisor, and also... Um, All-round good guy. <laughs> yeah. No, he was. He was very nice. So, well done, mate. We'll get in touch. Well done. We'll send you a hat. Now, we still have the like, share, and tag a mate competition going. The competition. So, we will post up a episode's post onto the Facebook page, which should read along the lines, new episode, episode five... Let's be honest, it's probably going to read Red Bull Ring 05. Um, Mercedes Blunder. Mercedes Blunder. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever we name the episode. As you can see, we're not very creative with naming our episodes lately. Anyway, so we'll post up an episode link. That's the one you have to share and comment your maiden. Like the actual page. Share publicly and comment a mate in the thing. And we'll probably run this for... This episode and next episode, and then we'll work everyone out. We'll see how much it's, uh, whether it's worth going off yet or not. Because this is good. This is good. good shirt. It like, is. It's quite a nice shirt. My wife actually bought one for herself. She did. Mm. They're a nice shirt. I think that's it. Thank you for listening. Yep. Remember that- to hit up our Facebook and uh, Twitter. Yep. Uh, we're at the at breaking late underscore FM. And if you want to shoot us through an email, we're breaking late at gmail.com. And if you haven't found our Facebook, we're facebook.com forward slash breaking late. Thank you very much. Thank you. Talk to you later. Bye. <laughs> hey tell it how it is tell it how it is hrt are useless yeah well they pretty much are